0: Welcome to Cup of Cubby Blue, your it was 2021 picture day home for Cubs news updates and banter. We're the official podcast of Bleed Cubby Blue, part of the SB Nation family of team sites. Please subscribe so you never miss an episode. And if you enjoy our baseball banter, be sure to leave a five star review to help others find Cup of Cubby Blue just in time for baseball season. I'm Sarah Sanchez. I write about the Cubs for Bleed Cubby Blue.
1: Hi guys, I'm Andy Cruz Vanasek and I am so thoroughly confused on what day it is, but all I know is that it is nice outside and that starts to mean for me that baseball is near
0: most lovely thing when it starts to warm up and you're like I can be outside and the air doesn't hurt my
1: face right or hurt my lungs when I inhale yes I mean it's 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 so nice I mean my poor dogs are hiding from me and my children in our house because we've taken them on so many walks over the last two days
0: (laughs) oh my gosh yeah Okay, so like the one good thing about mask wearing is that mask wearing in the winter in the Midwest is actually pretty clutch because it protects that part of your nose and your cheeks that would normally just be totally frozen at all times. But there's still that area like around your eyes and even if you have sunglasses on and then the sunglasses get fogged up. Anyway, y'all know what I'm saying. It's cold and then I'm so glad it looks like it's going to be spring.
1: I know. I actually like don't even know how to act around adults right now. Like it was just weird. I had a couple interactions with other adult humans and I don't even know like how to carry myself, how to speak, like how to not like stare because it's nice to not look at my children's faces all the day long. So it it was, you know, I'm like, it's supposed to be 60 degrees on Saturday. We're going outside. We're building a fire. We're inviting neighbors over. You know, we still social distance, but at least I can have a conversation and be outside. I'm so ready for warm weather and baseball. Totally.
0: The winter of social distancing has been like, we're all going to be in our house and we'll never see anyone. And when we go outside, the air will hurt our face, whatever small part of our face shows.
1: Right. Yes. Well, I mean, I, I am so like, I'm in that, in that season right now where it's like, I don't even care. You know how, when it turns from hot weather to cold weather and you're like 40 degrees is freezing. Like right now when it turns cold to warm and 40 degrees is like a heat wave. I am in that mode right now.
0: (laughs) Totally (laughs) agree. Uh, it is warm weather in Arizona where we have tons of Cubs news. But before we get to Cubs news, there's a couple of other things we need to talk about that have gone on in baseball in the past week. Andy, can we talk about this Kevin Mather dude and like, yay that he resigned, but oh my God, that 45 minute interview is, I there's like 20 stories there. The man just dropped like 20 bombs and he just said all of the quiet parts out loud. Help me figure this out.
1: I mean, it's seriously like every single time you try to wrap your brain around one thing he says, he said something else. And it was like, what? <laughs> like, Slow down. I can't even keep up with this. Like, this is ridiculous. Yeah, it was. Um, you kind of felt I felt like it was like make believe. I'm like, is he real? Is this really happening? Like, are we being punked? I mean, or is this like, is this serious? Because if this is definitely like a lot of the unspoken things that you don't say. You know, a lot of these owners probably say stuff like this, but probably behind closed doors to their most trusted confidant, not in, you know, like a conference call or a, a video call with like a whole gaggle of people. Like it just doesn't seem like the smartest PR move.
0: Totally. So in case you missed it, and if you are not like a heavy Twitter person and or a fan of the Mariners, you may have missed it. Uh, Former Mariners president Kevin Mather, early in February. So part of what's interesting about this story to me is that this conversation apparently happened on February 5th. And props to bloggers who went out, found this video that was publicly available for like 20 days and finally watched it. And He just said so many things at this Rotary Club meeting where he was talking about service time manipulation, talking about contracts with players that hadn't been signed yet, talking about how disappointed he was that the season wasn't going to be shortened to 154 games and that the players wouldn't just agree with them, talking about How he feels like the Mariners ballpark is in a bad area of town and he hates that they have to pay the police to escort their staff back and forth to their cars, which was like just a super weird thing to hear. He let drop that he thinks there's going to be an electronic strike zone within the next two years. I mean, I am telling y'all, you should go find this interview and listen to it because it's 45 minutes of what is going on. But by far, the most, oh my God, you cannot say that moment for me (laughs) is when he starts talking about his young players who are from foreign countries and complains about their ability to speak English and the fact that they have to have translators with them, which one, there is no official language in the United States of America. So like you do not have to speak English to play major league baseball. You never have. But two, it is just not a big expense for a billionaire to pay $75,000 a year to a translator. And it's obviously such a huge improvement of life for these young talented baseball players if baseball wants to be an international game i fail to see how they could do it if they're not going to
1: accommodate
0: players from other countries andy I,
1: what do you think i mean uh, gosh this is just such a a tough thing to to i don't know i i was really like offended and like is he serious like really that's what you're going to complain about That in this day and age, after everything that this country has seen happen over the last 13 months, I mean, even beyond that, but well under the microscope over the last 13 months, this is what you're complaining about. This is it. This is what you're worried about. Like, and and definitely, I I mean, obviously he said a lot of hot button things that were like, okay, hello, like we probably need to go back and look into that later. But this was definitely one of those things that you're like. I mean, are you intentionally trying to sabotage your franchise? Are you intentionally trying to make your job harder? Because, you know, these kids are not going to feel good, are not going to be directed to come play for a team where the organization vocalizes that they are not willing to help them adjust and, you know, feel welcome and... You know, feel like they're wanted in a franchise that is talking about how they really don't, you know, appreciate that they have to pay people to help these kids. It just, to me, it just was such a forehead slap thing to say for somebody that, you know, could definitely stand to have, you know, a better franchise that has. More. I mean, everybody can have a better franchise, but you know what I mean? Like business wise, you obviously could run it better. You obviously could attract better players. You always can attract better players. And the way to do it is not to talk about how their inability to speak English, which is not an official language by any means, is a hindrance to your ball club to your to your budgets to your monetary needs as as a baseball team it just to me it was just such an idiotic thing to do and these men that run these these baseball teams not all men but most of the men that run these baseball teams are That's supposed to be businessmen, <laughs> right 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 it's pretty much all sirs right Sarah I mean, they're also, yeah, I mean, this
0: was a line from my piece. I'm Like you, sir.
1: And let's be honest, it's all sirs, <laughs> right, right? That's, that's where I, that was what I was referring to. But I mean, they're supposed to be businessmen. They're supposed to be people that know, you know, the best ways to run a franchise, the most successful and efficient ways to run a franchise. And I am going to say, sirs, I don't think this is it. I don't think this is the way to do it. I don't think this is the complaint that you should be vocalizing where all these kids and their agents and their managers and whoever influences them on whether they come to, you know, play minor league or, you know, college ball in the United States are going to like that, going to like that outlook on things. And thankfully... He's the only idiot that has said it out loud and in a a forum that was recorded and can be easily played again over and over again for these kids. But I I guarantee he's not the only one that actually feels that way.
0: 100%. And actually, you just reminded me of a great piece that I want to share a little bit of because I, I was reading through a whole bunch of different nather takes over the course of the weekend. And there's a really great piece on a Mariner's blog called Dome and Bedlam. And I just want to read this one part because, you know, Andy talked about how all of these guys think they're such great businessmen and they're just at the top tier of industry and all of this stuff. And the line here from, I believe the author's name, I apologize if I don't pronounce this correctly, is David Skibba. The great gap of self-awareness in folks like Kevin Mather, both inside and outside of the sporting industry, is that they believe they are great business minds. They are patently not that. Mather and folks like him are the inheritors of a gold mine that grows its own gold. They have done nothing to make it, and yet it still produces its own value increasingly over time. I think that that's something we have to remember here. The value in baseball comes mainly, not exclusively, but mainly from the talent on the field, Nobody signs up to watch Kevin Mather, right? Right. Nobody's going to Cubs games because they are hoping to get a glimpse of a ricket. That's not how
1: any of this works. <laughs> Most of them don't even know what he looks like or they think it's Ted Cruz. I mean, come on. <laughs> does look a little bit like Ted Cruz.
0: Totally. No totally. offense. Uh, <laughs> yikes. <laughs> anyway... So Kevin Mather, no longer the president of the Seattle Mariners. And thank God, but you have to imagine that the damage that has been done for that franchise is already there, right? It's not just the young players who were targeted because of where they're from, because of their ethnicity. It's also comments like he let drop that they were not going to re-sign fan favorite Kyle Seager, who has an option this year. Can you imagine if, Tom Ricketts was on a call where he was just like, yeah, we're going to let Anthony Rizzo walk right before the 2021 season. That is the functional oh. equivalent of what this man did in at the Rotary Club <laughs> on a
1: Zoom um, call. And let's say and, and let's just go ahead and say because I'm, I'm kind of on one today anyways for a, a smorgasbord of reasons, but his wife handled that way better than I would have. Did you see the, the tweet that she posted? <laughs> I did, but you should tell people about it because not everyone did. <laughs> she basically just said, so should we put our Seattle house on the market or... <laughs> and mine would have been filled with a lot of like blurred out Um, explicit content, you can only access this if you're 18 years or older type deal. So props to her because she handled that a lot better than I would have.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, to bring this back to the Cubs and to all of baseball for one minute, Anthony Rizzo had a great comment where he just said, we all know the owners think this way. This is just something out in the open that all of us have already expected. And I think that it's worth noting. And look, I'm not saying that every owner believes every terrible thing Kevin Mather said, because really, there's a like, I put together a list for an article, and I think there were like 12 or 13 bullet points, and I didn't even list everything. Um, But some of those things, a lot of owners think service time manipulation is okay. We we don't have to resign the fan favorite franchise player. All of that type of stuff. That's not new, right? Like manipulating contracts. He was talking about the Paxton negotiations before they had signed Paxton. I I just find that incredible. That's not how free agent negotiation is supposed to work. (laughs)
1: Right. And like the thing that kind of rubbed me the wrong way too, is just ever talking about the ability to strong arm players into anything. And he made mention of that, I think once or twice about a couple different situations, or maybe it was just one and he mentioned it twice, but saying that, that how the owners couldn't manage to str- strong arm the players um or strong arm the union. And it's like, come on, man, you can't say stuff like that. And, and, and think that there's not going to be some major repercussions because I think you're going to see some of this stuff that was said come into play when, you know, we go into the CBA, when the, the CBA starts being discussed. I mean, there's definitely some some valid concerns. And again, I mean, it's kind of like that unwritten rule, but I think there are quite a few owners that feel the same way. They just don't make the mistake of putting it out there to where it can be transcribed and, you know, made into a booklet for all the players to to, you know, read. <laughs> Over over their uh, next away trip so they can take notes on, you know, how their owners possibly feel about them. I mean, it just it's just a travesty. But at the same time, you know, I kind of think it's it's good that some of this stuff was actually said out loud. I mean, it's good for the players on their end to be able to, to, you know, say, well, I mean, come on. This is this is how you guys handle yourselves. This is what we're dealing with. Like, and you want us to work with you guys when this is what ends up happening, you know? So, I mean, it, again, if you have any kind of, of idea how Major League Baseball functions or, you know, you pay attention to the, you know, front office dealings throughout the season, you know that a lot of this stuff is definitely being discussed and talk, talked about and, and are definitely issues with owners or, you know, front offices or whatever, but to actually have it out there and have it be, you know, said in a public forum or, you know, I mean, I guess Zoom to a Rotary Club is considered a public forum. It's just, it's just asinine to me. And and I think, you know, they deserve whatever happens from this, you know, they, as in Oh people that think they can get away with with saying and 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 doing things like this, because it, it, there will be I mean, there will be other other things that come out after this, I think, um, and maybe maybe just with the Mariners, maybe everybody is kind of like using him as the example. Don't say that. <laughs> Don't ever say that in
0: front of people. <laughs> One would hope that Rob Manfred sent a you know, all points bulletin these are the things you should
1: not do here's here's your 29 what not, clubs here's your what not to do training watch this video <laughs> Seriously, oh my goodness
0: i think that the one thing you the one thing you alluded to that i think is super important and i want to make sure people have on their minds is that the cba negotiations are going to come up at the end of this season I imagine that this entire conversation will be colored by parts of that. So stay tuned there. Also in the wide world of MLB, not Cubs land, uh, Domingo Herman, who was suspended for domestic violence last season, I guess apologized. I don't know. I watched this video. I couldn't tell what he was apologizing for. He apologized to the Steinbrenners. He apologized to his teammates. He apologized to the Yankees fans. He apologized to the Yankees. He did not mention what he did that he needed to apologize for, nor did he apologize to the woman that he treated terribly. So I'm just going to say, I think this stands as a stark example of what does not qualify as an apology. If I don't know what you're apologizing for, it's not an apology.
1: I mean, yeah, like you said, he's, like, apologizing because, oh, well, I'm sorry to my team that I wasn't able to be there and contribute, and I'm sorry. And it's like, dude, I mean, yeah, he definitely made mention of the fact that he put himself in that situation, but... I mean, yeah, you want to, you want to confront the issue. You want to make your teammates feel better about forgiving you and thinking that you are moving forward and have learned something for this and are a changed person. Then actually confront the issue at hand. Actually verbalize what the problem was. What it is exactly that happened that puts you in this situation. What it is exactly that you did that puts you in this situation. Right, right. This is like apology
0: 101 when you're talking to kids. <laughs> it's like you right, have to apologize exactly. for the thing you did.
1: <laughs> and right. What? you, uh, uh, Yeah. I mean, that that should be the first thing that comes out of your mouth is I'm I'm sorry for, you know, my physical handling of my girlfriend or whatever it was that happened. Exactly. But that should be the first thing that came out of your mouth. 100%. Uh, before we head to a quick break,
0: a couple of news and notes on just the re signing front that everyone should be aware of. Cameron Mabin, who I know Andy was a huge fan of last year, has re-signed with the Cubs on a minor league deal. Jake Morisnik officially joined the team after physicals and all that jazz. That means that the Cubs uh, designated Philip Irvin for assignment. And what do you think about these moves, Andy? I, I thought of you immediately when I saw the Cameron Mabin signing.
1: Listen, I got I got a little uh I, I mean, I had one person kind of say, you know, why are we, why are we getting all excited over Cameron Maben? I mean, it's Cameron Maben. Why are we getting excited over him? And I'm like, okay, let's talk about this for a second. <laughs> this is, this is a low risk, possible medium reward type thing. This is a minor league deal, Cameron Maben. You know, he's got a decent glove. He's um, fast, and when I say fast. I am using it in the sense of comparison to the current lineup of the Chicago Cubs, not to like the entire, you know, MLB, because obviously that it's two different things. So when you're looking at this lineup, Cameron Maybin stole, I believe it was four bases for the Cubs last year in his time with the Cubs. That's I mean, that that's I mean, that's more bases than none which is the majority of the Chicago Cubs. (laughs) I mean, you know, and not to, not to, I know I sound ridiculous right now, but you know, Kieran Mabin, I think just brought an energy to this team that was desperately needed at a time when it was needed. And not to say that that's, that is going to win ball games or that is what this team needs. I know, you know, we need, uh, you know, possibly another starting pitcher. We need this. We need that. We need this. I get it. But I'm going to take my victories where I can right now because I have no control over what they do from here on out. So my victory to me was re-signing somebody like Cameron Maben, who legitimately wants to play baseball for the Chicago Cubs, who legitimately went out there and hustled every time he had an opportunity last year and actually played some decent ball. His numbers weren't great, but... That doesn't mean he didn't contribute. That doesn't mean that his presence on this team was not needed in some way, shape, or form. So I'm going to take this victory. I'm going to celebrate it because this is all I have right now. So yes, Cameron Maven is back (laughs) in the minor leagues for the Chicago Cubs, but hopefully that means he makes the major league team, the major league roster. And at this point in time, I mean, I don't want to say they're stacked in the outfield, but they definitely have some folks out there that he's going to be competing with. So it's not even a given that, he makes the team. So, um, but I'm, I'm just very happy that they made that move because he legitimately is somebody that wants to play for the Chicago Cubs. And you definitely want players that want to be here because that's a huge part of, you know, what energy they bring to, to the field every day, day in, day out. And he's a veteran that, you know, other guys on the team last year looked up to So what's not to like about this, honestly, uh,
0: so I looked it up on Baseball Savant while you were explaining the whole like outfield situation so at, at, so perfectly, and it turns out that Cameron Mabin, relative to the rest of MLB, is in the 69th percentile in
1: sprint speed. So he has some nice speed. Yeah, and again, I mean, if you're comparing it to the rest of the Chicago Cubs roster, he's probably in the 99th percentile. So everybody <laughs> needs to calm down. <laughs>
0: with you. He, br- he brings some flexibility and that is helpful. I also thought that he looked pretty solid with the team in, in the short season. It, it's worth giving him another look for sure. And if they don't have another player who would take that spot on the roster, by all means, see what he looks like down in the minor leagues. And if you need some depth at some point, you can pull him up. We have a lot more to talk about on today's episode of Cup of Cubby Blue. After the break, we're going to talk about Ian Happ's arbitration case. We're going to talk about some uh Brizzo extension rumors and rumblings that are happening. But first we need to take a quick break for our sponsors. So one of the hallmarks for the Chicago Cubs in the Theo Hoyer, and I swear one of these days, I'm just going to like blend that all together. I'm going to say Theo or something um, <laughs> it has been that they do not really go to arbitration with their players. The only player who took the team to arbitration before was Justin Grimm he lost his case that was right after the 2016 season until this offseason Ian Happ decided he wanted to take the team to arbitration cuz he didn't like the offer that he was given and he won uh Ian Happ got a 4.1 million dollar deal for 2021 the cubs had filed at 3.25 so that's a nice little payday for Ian Happ notably Ian Hap is also the Cubs players rep. He took over those duties for from Chris Bryant last year. So he has really strong ties with the union. Andy, what do you think about Hap's arbitration case?
1: Absolutely. I think he um, very much deserved it. And, you know, you hate to see teams go, you know, head to head with these players over what is pennies to the owners, but um, especially deserving players, but it's also kind of nice because I'm Team Ian Happ these days, and it was kind of nice for him to take him on and win because he obviously he had a pretty solid year um, prior to when he hit himself in the face with a foul ball. Um, and even after that, it wasn't terrible, but he definitely was on pace to have a, a very good year um, before that and definitely deserved it. I mean, he's, he's somebody that is kind of leaning into a leadership-type role somebody that is kind of filling in a couple different areas that this team needed and very much deserving of winning that arbitration. So I'm happy for him. I'm glad that he did. And, you know, I hope it sets a precedence for things to come. You know,
0: you mentioned that that's really pennies to the owners. And I think that this is something that we need to talk more about because I was just looking at Al's article on Hap's arbitration case. And in the first two paragraphs, this is what jumps out at you. The difference between the Cubs and Hap on that figure was just eight hundred and fifty thousand dollars. However, for the twenty twenty season, the prorated season where Ian Hap was the most valuable single player on the Cubs by Fangraphs War, and put together two thirds of an MVP caliber campaign before taking a foul ball off his face in Pittsburgh, Ian Hap made six hundred and three thousand five hundred dollars. So Ian Hap earned more in arbitration. Than he did in the entirety of 2020. And I think that is well-deserved. And I think that it's good for us to remember that the players are not coming from a position where $850,000 is just like a thing that you write down and then you like sign the checks, right? Like that is life-changing money for people.
1: Well, yeah, and especially somebody like Ian Happ, who, you know, like you just totally hit the nail on the head. You're looking at what these guys were making last year based on their prorated amounts. And, you know, it's not a a ton of money. And, yeah, you know, of course franchises took hits because there was not a whole lot of cash flow happening. But it's also like I'm not writing a sob story for these billionaires who are still, you know, I I just don't understand – the concept of being broke when, you know, you you run these franchises. So to me, I am I'm, I'm extremely happy. He's definitely somebody that has worked very hard to get to where he is and to be who he is on for this team. And he, you know, deserved it to begin with. It should have never even went to arbitration. And um I think that's something too that you know, you're gonna see a lot more of going forward. And I really hope that the Cubs don't start lowballing deserving players um to try and get them to stay at some sort of loyalty hometown discount because I don't think that's gonna fly with some of these guys. And I I mean there are too many good players coming up right now that, you know, you're kind of worried about how they handle this. And and in this situation I hope, is not a hint at things to come.
0: I agree with that. Speaking of players and the future, Anthony Rizzo sat down for a press availability on Monday. And as you can imagine, since it is his walk year and he is the heart and soul of this Cubs team, everything about extensions came up. Rizzo obviously wants an extension. He would love to play with the Cubs far into the future. He admitted over the Zoom call that, you know, this is a business playing for a while. You understand that. You deal with so much noise at times. From the second you step onto the big league field, and this is no different. At the end of the day, you're playing baseball. And I'm playing baseball with a lot of really good friends here. They're not just teammates. They're close friends. They'll be close friends forever He went on to talk about how it would be hard to leave the Cubs and how he wants to play with the Cubs going forward. I am on the record that I think you extend Anthony Rizzo for the rest of his career, and he gets a statue somewhere near the ballpark when it's done. What do you think about Rizzo and an extension, Andy?
1: I mean, 100%. 100 million thousand quadrillion, I mean, I'm going to make up words now, percent. This is somebody that absolutely must Stay a cub for his entire career. It's a must. He is going to be somebody that we speak of to our great grandchildren. I mean, generations to come will know about Anthony Rizzo to the Chicago Cubs. You know, I mean, he's just gonna be one of those names that comes up with everybody else, you know? All the other names that we speak of. He's going to be right up right at the end of that. So yeah, he's gotta be, he's gotta be a cub for life. You gotta make that happen. I don't even think this isn't even about, you know, what he means to the fan base. It's so much more than that. I mean, it's not, he is such a good baseball player, but there's just so much more than that. You know, he is, he's taken on a whole nother level of leadership in this clubhouse. He has become something to the franchise and to the culture that is so, you feel like the backbone of Chicago Cubs baseball and, I just can't like I, I kind of feel my heart twinge a little bit even thinking about him not being a Chicago cub. I mean, there was a lot of guys that you feel that way about. Um, but it, Anthony Rizzo is different. It's just different with him and and it, it's he's got they've got to find a way to keep him in a Chicago Cubs uniform for the rest of his career.
0: I totally agree. And Patrick Mooney over at the Athletic has an article on this that I highly recommend people check out. The most interesting part comes about midway through the article where he looks at who Rizzo compares with player-wise through age 30. And if you're not familiar with Baseball Reference, they have a tool there where when you're on a play- player's page, if you scroll all the way down to the bottom, there's what's called a similarity score. And you can kind of get an idea of who a player looked like each year and who they look like most through their career. It's a really fun tool. It gives you an idea of who the comps are historically for some of your favorite players. Well, through age 30, the most similar hitters to Rither- to Oh, wow, I just said that really awkwardly. Through age 30, the most similar hitters to Rizzo's profile include former Cub Derek Lee, Paul Canerco, and Adrian Gonzalez, which, look, I would absolutely take all three of those dudes age 31 to 35, 36 seasons, and I wouldn't think twice about it. They were absolute monsters, well past the age of 30. You gotta lock Rizzo up.
1: Oh my goodness. Just thinking about Derek Lee makes me smile. Like that was, that was one of my, one of my dudes. Um, Yeah. I mean, he's, he's just, I, I believe he's irreplaceable in so many different ways. Like you might be able to find, and I, I, I say might because there's only a few, but you might be able to find a better first baseman, but you're never going to find somebody that has the same clubhouse presence, that has the same camaraderie, that has the same le- leadership on the field. I mean, he's grown so much and he's grown as a Chicago Cub. And he's, you know, he he's kind of, he's setting the tone, I think, um, each year as he, you know, gains another year of, of experience and, and on, on the field with this group of guys, it's just so it's irreplaceable. I mean, there's just no way that you find somebody that can come in and be who Anthony Rizzo is in all facets of the game. I mean, it's just, you know, it's such a must. I can't emphasize this enough. (laughs) It is a must. And I'm telling you right now, I mean, oh gosh, I just, I can't, I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine being a Chicago Cubs fan and not being able to cheer for Anthony Rizzo. I agree. And let's not make
0: Andy imagine it. Let's not make Rizzo imagine it either. Just get the job done. I mean, this quote from Rizzo, just, and then I will move on to the Bryant portion of these negotiations. But this quote from Rizzo just like melted my heart. Everything that I love about this city, I kind of wear on my sleeve. I still love it. I still love our team and I still love what we have going on here. Don't do this to me, Hoyer. Like... Sign Rizzo. Get an extension done now. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, The new rumors as of today and it's Thursday when we're recording this surround Chris Bryan, who also had a media availability. And there were a couple of things here that I thought were interesting. He talked about wanting to sit down with Hoyer and hammer out an extension if they're able to do that. And when I say him, I obviously mean his agent. Like, I don't think Chris Bryan is going to be the one doing all of the contract negotiations. It's just kind of a shorthand. But there was an interesting note. From MLB reporter Jordan Bastian on Twitter that really just caught my eye. Chris Bryant said that over the offseason, he got a text, he didn't say from who, that said, welcome to the Mets. And he quickly called his agent and Jed Hoyer and then found out it wasn't true. That was an example he gave of the open lines of communications that he feels like he currently has with the Cubs front office. And one, let's be glad that text wasn't true. <laughs> Two. If Bryant is willing to sit down and hammer out an extension, and if Boris has moved off whatever delusion he had back in the day that that extension was going to be for like 10 years and $350 fifty plus million dollars million, I'm cool with that too.
1: Yeah, it was actually, I think I read it was actually a, a random Connecticut number. And if you happen to be the random Connecticut number that has Chris Bryant's cell phone number, <laughs> could you please reach out? Because I have things I need to discuss with him. They're very important. <laughs> Um, anyways, anyways, I, yes, I mean, it, it's just, you know, you, you the, the reality of the situation tends to, um, I don't, I don't, I'm not good with reality when it comes to stuff like this. So I like to think of a land where we re-sign Chris Bryant, we re-sign Anthony Rizzo, um, Contreras Baez, I mean, Hayward, I'm I'm gonna keep going if you'll let me. But that's 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 the reality I live in. That's not even reality. That's the that's a dream world. But you know, you want all of it. You want all of it because you've seen these guys together, you know what they're capable of, you know the kind of play that they can put on the field for you, you know, you know, what they gave to the city of Chicago. But at the same time, it's like, how realistic is it? You know, they're all stars in their own right. They they really are. I mean, they're all stars in their own right. And they can go anywhere and be stars. So it, it, I don't know. I mean, yes, I really want Chris Bryant back in a Chicago Cubs uniform. It would be fantastic if Boris could really come back down to earth and, and figure out a more realistic deal um, that makes sense. Um, obviously Chris Bryant is Chris Bryant and he is worthy of a very large payday, but I'm also hoping that his payday aligns with what the Chicago Cubs are willing to give him. I don't know that it will, but it's always in the back of my mind that that's still possible.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. And, you know, I've been on the record before saying that I'd rather have, rizzo Baez, and contreras then chris bryant if it's a forced choice but if if it's not a forced choice i'm here for resigning all four i just think have always sort of felt like bryant forced your hand to where you would not be able to sign two of the others because of the amount of the deal if that's no longer true i'm obviously here for keeping the band together for a little while longer
1: uh yeah, but we're not we're not touching Bias and we're not touching Contreras. So, let's just <laughs> get that out of our minds right now. Yeah, I
0: need the Javi Wilson connection to persist for at least a few more years. I cannot have that broken up. I have my favorite t-shirt, my favorite Cubs t-shirt came from the Cubs actually. They had this really awesome ad campaign a few years ago where they redid the CTA signs and with Cubs player stuff and so they had like the pitchers And the direction would point The way that they threw so right handers pointed Right left handers pointed left for example But the best one in my opinion Said Contreras Tobias to Dugout and the Cubs made Some t-shirts out of this ad campaign And sent them out to people and they sent me one of those Shirts it is my favorite shirt And I need it to be relevant For I don't know at least Three to five more seasons
1: Forever Forever Forever. Forever.
0: (laughs) Speaking of things that may not last forever, but are pretty great, Jake Arietta is already having an impact in camp. And if you read MLB.com, there's a great interview with Albert Alzale talking about his work with Jake Arietta and the effect it is having on younger players. Andy, we alluded to this when the deal was done, that we knew Arietta was going to be that veteran presence. He was going to be the guy who came in since the Cubs were not able to get a deal done with John Lester. And this just warmed my heart because you can already see it working.
1: Listen, I've seen some of the video of him with Edward and it's like, it is so like big brother type and you can just see how the young guys look to somebody like Jake Arietta with such like, you know, admirement and it was so, it was so awesome to see. I think the, I think Al actually shared the video, but you you see Jake showing grips and showing release points and kind of showing arm stretches. And it's just like, <sighs> I'm just so happy he's back. And I'm so happy that, you know, he he's you know, making, trying to make an impact with these young guys who we need to be, you know, solid in our rotation this year. And, you know, you can tell that he is, he's a competitor. He wants to make everyone better around him. And he's going to do that. He's going to do that. And it's so great that these kids get to learn from somebody like Jake Arietta and they're going to be, they're going to be, you know, a force in our lineup because of that. They're going to benefit so much from having somebody like Jake Arietta in our rotation and somebody in the dugout that they can go over and, you know, have a quick second with or ask a question or ask for advice. You know, Jake is somebody that, you know, he wants to help. He wants to compete. He wants his teammates to be better. So I'm just beyond thrilled that he is already developing such a relationship with this young kid who, you know, you've always said is going to be, um you know a, a good pitcher he deserves a chance in this rotation and i really hope that he finds that that rhythm i really hope that he finds that that window of opportunity this year and is able to capitalize on it
0: yeah i totally agree i i still remember his first start which i got to go to we didn't know or it wasn't his first start it was he came in in relief his first game his major league debut and adbert just you know struck out a ton of mets in a row i think it was 5 or 6 it was outstanding But after that game, it had been so long since the Cubs had had a homegrown pitching prospect come up and look good that it was just so exciting. And I remember John Lester got him a bottle of really nice champagne and sort of a passing the torch moment, handed it to him and said, you know, welcome to the show, kid. And I was really sad about remembering that moment when Lester signed with the Nationals. I was like, who is going to take care of Adbert? Who's got Adbert in the dugout? When he has a bad start <laughs> or like he needs to know what to fix about something. And I'm, I'm just so glad that Jake appears to be that guy. And it's just right there. The video is outstanding. I highly recommend you check it out. We'll retweet it from the Cup of Cubby Blue account. Speaking of young Cubs who are going to make an impact, we learned this week that Brennan Davis is going to join the Cubs for spring training. He is their highest ranked prospect, according to multiple outlets. Andy, what do you think about Brennan Davis? I mean, I don't think he's going to play in 2021 at least not until September and only in September if he's absolutely necessary but it's exciting to have a prospect like this back in the fold.
1: Listen, I loved this kid when they drafted him. I definitely did my research on him because I feel like this is a name we're going to be talking about a lot in the coming years. He is uh he is awesome to watch. First of all, if you have an opportunity uh, I know that was it, who was the, did, that did the article on MLB. If you can look it up, I would just Google his name. Yeah, give me There's some great video. There's some great, it's Jordan Bastion that did this article on MLB. And there's some great video of him hitting home runs, um, fielding, running the bases. He's just such a... Uh, a great, he was such a great draft pick. I'm so excited about him. Even if we don't see him until September, I think this is just going to be such a huge boost for this team. Um, he's going to be somebody that definitely can contribute when, you know, when his full development and full potential is able to be reached. It, he's the the, the, the limits for him are going to be endless. I mean, he's quick. He's got a great bat. He's got like that sneaky, sneaky, big power. Like he, he swings the bat And there's not a whole lot of twerk involved. He just is very, very easy swinging, but the ball goes. I mean, this kid's got some power too, a little bit of pop, you know? So it'll be really fun to watch him definitely at the major league level when he's able to get here. And, you know, he's going to be somebody that he's going to be one of those kids that he's just going to be so happy to step foot on that field every single day. He's going to be one of those kids that we see a huge smile from every single time. I'm excited. I'm super excited for this kid. Um, you know, I would just definitely remember this name because we'll be talking about this name for for years to come.
0: Yeah, Brennan Davis is the first prospect What I've been first outfield prospect that I've been super excited about since Eloy went to the White Sox. So I'm really excited to see what Brennan Davis does a couple of other prospects if you're the prospect watching type to keep an eye on who will also be making some some appearances this spring and maybe uh, late in the season for the Cubs. We saw Braylon Marquez last season in September against the White Sox. He is, by some measures, the Cubs' top prospect. Him and Brendan Davis are, like, real close together on most rankings. He's he's going to be a lot of fun. He's a fireball pitcher, and I think that once he figures out some command, he could also really make an impact in the bullpen, or maybe potentially as a starter, and that would be cool to see the Cubs develop yet another starter. Andy, it's like a thing we hadn't done for years Uh, And then, of course, catcher Miguel Amaya, who I think has a path cleared for him if he wants it with Victor Caratini going to the Padres.
1: Yeah, I'm excited about that, too. I think he's definitely going to probably find his way to the majors sooner than we anticipated, especially with uh, Caratini um, being gone now so yeah it'll be interesting to see where these guys all land at what level these guys lean and how much action they actually can see at the major league level because you know Brendan Davis yes he's an outfielder I mean but we've been in situations before where we've had to call on guys in our minor league system way before we anticipated having to based on something or another I'm not even going to use the word because I, I don't <laughs> want to jinx us but For whatever reason, you know, I mean, it's definitely just something to keep your your eye on. And I'm excited about these kids. There's definitely some talent there.
0: Absolutely. Speaking of talent at spring training, you're going to want to know when you can watch it. The first game was originally scheduled for February 27th, which would be this Saturday. But that got pushed back, probably partially due to COVID, not entirely Sure what the reasons are there. The first game for the Chicago Cubs will now be against the San Diego Padres on March 1st. Kyle Hendricks will start that game and he is in line to be the opening day starter for the Chicago Cubs. Andy, we are like 4 days away
1: from getting to see some Chicago Cubs baseball. I mean, <laughs> it seems I I just I it's not sunk in. It has not sunk in. Um but I am so so ready. Uh, the only thing that I am concerned about, and this was our next bullet point to touch on, was how different spring training is going to look. I mean, not that anybody ever bases their whole entire, you know, thoughts on the season on spring training because it's such a, you know, hit or miss on what you're going to get each day, but like the fact that they can shorten games this year in spring training and, you know, not play. I mean they can play 5 innings. They can play any any games up until what? March 13th or something. They can play 5 yes. innings. And then any games after that, they can play 7 innings. I mean, so, you know, like our friends like Al who is at spring training, the all of spring training, you know, you kind of want to know how many innings they're going to be playing <laughs> cuz that's that can be important. I mean, that can that can be kind of a kind of a deal depending on whether or not you're you're going to the game or whatever the situation is or who you're going to see play. Um, or who you're not going to see play. So it'll be odd. It'll be different. But I'm just so grateful that we have baseball, that this is happening. Because if you remember a year ago, life was much different. Well, a year
0: ago, we were actually watching baseball. But then like two weeks later, it all got taken away, which was kind of incredible. Uh, yeah, one of the things that's interesting, and I want to go back to what Andy was saying about the five inning and seven inning games, because I just think this is so fascinating. If you remember in years past, the reason that that happened Uh, that we would have complete games is because there were so many more players in camp, right? So you would have the starters and the regulars and the AAA guys or the key prospects. They would kind of start the game and then about four or five innings would pass and they would leave the game and they would be replaced by minor leaguers from A-ball, high A-ball, some of the prospects that you don't get to see very often. A lot of those players will not be in camp this year. There's not a concurrent minor league camp and that's because they're trying to keep the numbers down to keep the spread of COVID-19 from becoming an issue. And and props to Major League Baseball so far. I think I read somewhere that they had done over 4,000 tests on intake at spring training and only found 13 positives among staff and players. So really, that's an outstanding job by pretty much any metric. But they're just not going to push these guys and risk the injuries that would hurt the regular season. They're going to let them keep having the shorter outings and building up to those longer outings. And that
1: means the games just might end early. Yeah. And I, you know, I guess again, just to kind of emphasize, obviously I'm very thankful to have baseball and and at whatever degree we have it, but yeah, I mean, it's definitely there's some other factors that are going to weigh in on how this all works. So it's not really, you know, something that I'm complaining about because I just can't wait to, to watch baseball and like Jake Arrieta in a Cubs uniform. <laughs> and, um, it, you know, it, there's just, I have to definitely just take it with a grain of salt. And if, you know, my one game that I get to watch the week is cut down to five innings, I'm just going to have to live with it. But <laughs> I mean, again, we get to have sports. So I'm just, I'll just take it. I'll take what I can get at this point in time.
0: Absolutely. Two other small rule changes that you may notice if you're watching spring training super carefully. Substitution rules are going to be relaxed, which means that there will be an allowance for the re-entry for all pitchers. I kind of love this. I half wish that I could see Joe Madden manage a Cubs game just to see how he deals with the bullpen when he can go lefty, Put put the guy in the dugout. Bring in a righty, put that guy in the dugout. Bring the lefty back out. I think that that would be really funny to watch. And I I know that's it's not strategic in the sense of like they're trying to win these spring training games or something. But I do just feel like Joe Madden with relaxed pitcher reentry rules would be a thing to see. The three batter minimum rule, which I am not a huge fan of, but I understand why it exists, will not be in effect until March fourteenth. So pitchers will be allowed to come in and not necessarily have to face three batters.
1: These yes, these are all well and good. I am curious to see how things get managed as well. I think it's it I'm it doesn't seem that off to me because in softball like you can do that anyways. So like kind of when I play that's it that just seems normal to me so I think it seems unnormal to not be able to bring a pitcher back in so (laughs) so I I mean it is what it is to me I'm like okay whatever bring the guy back in I mean it seems seems okay to me um but I did do you mind if I if I go off subject for a second I want to mention something before I forget oh yeah sure Um, Okay, so I don't know if you guys know this or not, but tomorrow is a very special day. Tomorrow being Friday, February 26th. And we were going to get through this whole podcast, and she was not going to make mention of it at all. So I'm going to blow it up right now and go ahead and let you guys know. Friday, February 26th, if, if, if this gets... Post it after the fact. Make sure you go and tell her, it's Sarah Sanchez's birthday. It's such a glorious day. <laughs> so make sure that you tell our favorite Sarah happy birthday at some point. She is so special and so wonderful in so many different ways. And I know that she gives you guys a brain full of information on the daily, just by Twitter, but I get to talk to her. Like, can you imagine what my brain looks like? It's crazy. Like all the Sarah information in my brain, there's not even enough room for it. So just make sure you tell her happy birthday. She's a super special person and I love her dearly. I love you, Sarah. I hope you have a fantastic day, but I wanted to make sure that I blasted it on our podcast that February 26th is a very special day.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's so sweet. I'm like, kind of crying and trying not to give me like all teary at the end of this podcast. That's honestly, Andy, thank you. <laughs> I look forward to our conversations every week. I, Andy knows this. We've talked about it off air before, but I don't think that we've ever mentioned it. You know, so we're, we're just regular people going about our jobs, our days, whatever. We fit this podcast in because we love it. We love baseball. We ta- love talking to each other, but there are some days where it's like, Oh man, we have to find an hour to record. And Andy's got to pick the kids up over here. And I've, working and doing all this stuff, and I'm not going to be home in time or whatever. It can, and it can be stressful, just like all things in life. We literally never record this podcast and don't have a smile on our face by the end. So even if we're not smiling at the beginning, we are both so happy to have talked baseball for about an hour with each other by the end that we just realize that it brings us a ton of joy to have these conversations. And Andy, I could not ask for a better person to talk baseball with periodically so thank you
1: very much and I adore you listen another year of Sarah Sanchez I'm so lucky to be a part of so yes I agree with you and it, you know it, it like you said there's not a time that we don't do this podcast maybe when we start we might be a little iffy but by the end we're always laughing and having a good time and for sure I mean even if nobody even listens ever I would still do this because it just it, yeah, it definitely it, it definitely puts a smile on my face and it's so fun and I think the minute that we met each other we just knew that yeah, this was going to this was going to be a good fun relationship for both of us. So, thank you for all that you do for us and the podcast and I hope you have another wonderful year of Sarah and just remember to always look at the bright side of things.
0: I appreciate you so much. I am just going to say, I hope you are listening to this podcast. But yes, we would do it if you didn't. But it's better when you listen. And if you want to hear more of what Andy and I are thinking as Cubs spring training games kick off this week, you can follow both of us on Twitter. I am at BCB underscore Sarah. Andy is at bryz. Underscore Blue. We are both at Cup of Cubby Blue and so stoked about all things Cubs baseball as the clock ticks down to the Cubs' first spring training game on March 1st. We'll have everything you need to know about that and other Cubs news, notes, and banter next week. Until next time, bye.